It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday check-in, this time on a Tuesday. We have to go quick because Greg has to lead Bible study uh, in a little bit. So we'll see what we can do here. Uh, I'm Damon Jensen Heitman. I'm one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, who has to lead Bible study at noon today. Uh, so, But we're not going to shortchange you uh, on the Monday check-in. We're, we're going to give you the full meal deal, and if the Bible study folks, if I'm a little late to Bible study, they'll they'll survive. No, I'm just saying you got to get your reps in yes. before... You know, before yes. Bible, you're like the starting quarterback, you know? Right, and that's that's the little secret that you all know is that this Monday check-in that you listen to is a really good preparation for me for uh, for the Tuesday noon Bible study, which will occur here shortly. Yeah. So, And, of course, we were recording on Tuesday because uh, yesterday, of course, we were off in honor of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, yes. And I often, uh, you know, I... Martin Luther King said a lot of really interesting things, and there's some really great quotes. A couple of years ago, uh, all the pastors in uh, in central Nebraska, or many of the pastors in central Nebraska, did a reading of his letter from a Birmingham jail, and somebody edited that all together, and that was a cool thing. Um, and I try to reread that each year, and then um, there's some other quotes. I found a really interesting quote uh, this yesterday um, that I really loved, but I also... This is my, I'm going to theologically nerd out here for you. I found uh, they came here for. a photo of Martin Luther King walking arm in arm with Karl Barth, who is my favorite German mm. theologian who moved to the United States during World War II and uh, was a professor at Princeton Theological Seminary. Uh, and so MLK and Barth, like that's, that's just like, I'm so excited. <laughs> You had never seen this photo before. I had never seen the photo before. Yesterday was the first time I'd ever seen it, and it's uh, it's just delightful. Yeah. Very nice. So the Monday check-in, uh, what we're going to do here in a little bit, we're going to essentially do a little preview of, of the scripture, at least some of the scripture that we're going to use for the upcoming Sunday. Uh, we'll have a little mini Bible study, um, take a look at the text, ask questions of the text, perhaps let the text ask questions of us as well. And then after that, we'll switch gears and we'll talk about the life of the church, what's going on at First Press Hastings. So, yeah. And we start with a word of prayer, and I think it's your turn. It is. Let's, uh, let's pray. Gracious God, last week we thought about curiosity and asking questions, and we thank you for being a God who, uh, who invites our questions and encourages us to ask questions and to go more deeply into our faith. Uh, we pray that uh, our Bible study this morning is one that does lead us more deeply into our faith, uh, leads us to deeper questions, and to grow in our discipleship, our love of you, and our love of our neighbors. Bless our time, bless our study of your word, and bless the disciples that we're going to read about who dropped their nets and followed Jesus. Uh, may we all have the courage and boldness to do that when Christ calls us in that way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So for this upcoming Sunday, I have, uh, excuse me, a little bit of a passage from the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, This is verses 12 through 23. 
reads something like this. Now, when Jesus heard that John, this would be John the Baptist, or the baptizer, uh, had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, because they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with her father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately... They left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing disease of every sickness among the people. That's then. That's that reading. Yeah, Greg, what do you got? There's a, there, there, there's a fair amount to unpack there. Um, not what I'm planning on preaching on, but I, I love how we often talk about the Gospel of Matthew and how it works really hard to connect to um, the Jewish people and to the Old Testament prophecies. Um, and we say that that's part of the reason that this detail is included or that detail is included. And here the writer just comes out and says it, right? Jesus left Nazareth and made his home by Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulon so that it would reflect the prophecy from Isaiah, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea. And so the, it's just so clear that the gospel writer is making sure we realize the connection between the Torah and the prophets and Jesus' life and ministry. Um, it, it couldn't be any more clear. And I just, I, it's, a, it's an interesting detail. Yeah, a question that occurred to me in that section is, do you think that the the writer of the gospel thinks that this is a conscious decision that Jesus has made for this purpose of fulfilling the prophecy? Or do you think that the writer of the gospel is, is assuming that this is a thing that it's not necessarily Jesus' decision in order to fulfill the prophecy, but God has arranged things in a way so, so that... Um, Jesus Jesus moves. He, <laughs> he packs his boxes and he moves. Does, does that question make sense? It does make sense. It's an interesting one because we we know that that Jesus knew his his Old Testament and prophets. We know he knew the Torah. Mm -hmm. um, he read the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. That's how he kicks off his earthly ministry in the Gospel of of Luke. Um, and so. Could Jesus have read the thing from Isaiah and said, oh, oh, it says here that I'm supposed to be in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. I'll head out there yeah. so that I can fulfill the prophecy. Or instead, was it Jesus just living his life and it, it happened to fulfill that prophecy as, as God knew that it would? Mm -hmm. but, but maybe it, it's a fair question. 
Yeah, I never had thought of it um, before. It kind of gets into our Trinitarian theology because if Jesus is the Son of God but Jesus is God, then whether Jesus is consciously making that decision or not consciously making that decision, ultimately God is making that decision. Yeah. Yeah, and like to what extent are we... um, choosing the things of God or cooperating with the things of God. It's not quite the right phraseology for it, but I see what you're saying. The, well, are we choosing the things of God or the things of God choosing us? Yeah, almost, I guess right? so. Yeah. Sort of getting into the, the, the reform notion of predestination, right? Did, did God predetermine that, that yes. Jesus was going to end up in the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali? Or did Jesus consciously go to the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali so that the prophecy from Isaiah could be fulfilled, right? Yeah. I don't know how fruitful this is for the purposes of preparing a sermon, but also like, if God did preordain it, don't you still have to, do you still have to choose it? Yeah. Like if, if God even like intend, maybe preordained isn't the right word then in that, like this would be more of a process theology sort of way of looking at it. Right. But, This is a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That God may intend for those things or desire for certain things to happen. Um, And also we need to sort of choose to go along with those intentions. Right. Are we we co-workers or co-designers with God in creating reality or has God preordained the reality and we're just... We're just kind of... We're pawns. Animatrons, robots moving through. Mm -hmm. You know... I do think this is a whole podcast in itself, and who needs to be sitting right here between the two of us is Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh, who would have a lot to add to this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's let's focus on the second portion of this passage because that's actually what I'm planning on preaching on on Sunday. I found the first paragraph more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Got more questions about the top part, but we'll move along. Okay, fair enough. In terms of. as you open each uh, each podcast with it, we will uh, we will ask questions of the text and let the questions the text ask questions of us. That those questions to me are the second portion of this passage when it as it relates to how we live out our faith in the world. Sure. Uh, and so that's that's where I kind of um, kind of zoom in, and, and and as I previewed a little bit in my opening prayer, this uh, this very courageous and bold decision. Jesus walks up to him and says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then James and John, sons of Zebedee, do the same thing. Um, and just how how much courage goes into making a decision like that. And I, I want to reflect on people who have made those kinds of bold or courageous decisions to live out their faith. Um these guys provide a great example, but are there are there more modern examples that we can think of that would um, and and Martin Luther King Jr. is actually coming to mind. Be a pretty particularly pretty clear one because of MLK uh-huh. Day, but he knew that um, that proclaiming the faith in the way that he did was going to put him at risk, and it didn't stop him from doing it. Yeah, um, in the same way that these guys leaving their means of production, walking away from their boats and their nets to follow Jesus is going to put them at risk. They're, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. 
they don't know where following Jesus is going to lead them and actually it doesn't lead to the the nicest places in a worldly sense for these guys. Um, it leads to a cross. For Jesus and, the, and then for martyrdom for many of the disciples. Yeah. And so um, it just, that, that, I was struck by the, by the boldness and the courage of the disciples to do that. Yeah, and I, it seems to me that that element of, uh, of risk is an important one because I think we could we could probably think of folks who sort of very boldly act out in their faith but do so really for the purposes of inflating themselves yeah or and, and making themselves seem more impressive or you know whatever the case may be who are really sort of boldly claiming the faith in in order to gain some sort of advantage, mm-hmm. whatever, however small or big that might be, um, and yeah, and so I've, in in confirmation we've been talking about the different um, words for love that are used in the gospel. Yeah. Mostly we've been talking about filio and agape. Yeah, and <clears throat> and talking about agape as being self-sacrificial right. love, and there is like there's a self-sacrificial element to these actions, like to yes. be leaving everything behind and going and following. Um, that is, that is a different demonstration of faith than the more sort of self-inflating. Look or, at me, look how great I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so you use two terms that, that I didn't have in my notes as I've been preparing my sermon, self-sacrificial, which I think belongs in here and risk taking. I talked about, courage and boldness but there's also a risk taking that goes along with that and and um that it has to be grounded in yeah in in agape in self-sacrificial love it's not about inflating themselves or building themselves up it's about um sacrificing themselves for a larger cause in this case the cause of of christ Mm -hmm. um and and how all of us frankly are, are called to that same thing um, in our daily lives, hopefully, it doesn't lead towards a path of martyrdom for most of us, though it did for the disciples and it did for MLK Jr. Yeah. Um, much can be accomplished without having to martyr ourselves, <laughs> but but ultimately, too, um, you know, we're called to follow our faith mm-hmm. wherever that may lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also. Um... <laughs> Sometimes much, maybe, I don't know if much is made or not, but uh, Zebedee is there too. <laughs> so it's, it's action that affects not, in theory, not just them. Right. It affects their family um, as well, or their friends or whomever it may have been. And, you know, you sort of sometimes wonder... <laughs> What how does what does Zebedee do with this? Yeah, and we don't that his sons have decide have left him to go and do this thing. Like, does he understand? Does he you know, does he really want to go too? But like somebody's really gotta do this stuff, right? Yeah. Like somebody's really gotta fish <laughs> for actual fish and not for people. Um or is or does he not or is he aggrieved by it? like does he feel um, 
uh, what's the uh, betrayed? I don't know. In in some ways, by this is why I sometimes you know think about the because there's a there's a parent and child dynamic in it as well. Right. That's that's maybe a little bit more hidden, um, and the way I think that parents and children sometimes struggle to understand the life choices that they're making. Right. But it, I mean, the passage calls out and it says immediately they left the boat and their father mm-hmm. and followed him. Um, but there maybe maybe there's another angle of this sermon that I haven't explored yet that could end up being the direction this goes, but that to live out these courageous and bold ways of living our faith also requires a community of support around us to support us. And so even like Martin Luther King Jr. is the one who whose name is credited, who we have a federal holiday that we recognize and all that stuff. But there was a, a cast of support around him that was huge, including his spouse, Coretta Scott King, including his children, but also including a bunch of other pastors and... Yep organizers and uh, civil rights folks. And so he becomes the visible one who's being bold and courageous and taking these steps. But there, there are also a lot of other people who had to be bold and courageous and make sacrifices in part to support him as the visual, as, as the highly visible one. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think that the same is true in our own lives. If we think about people who have made bold or courageous decisions they have not done it alone. It's not usually in a vacuum. There's people around them that support them. Generally not. Yeah, it's helpful, certainly. Or they are then, they're making some sort of bold, courageous, risky decision in order to seek out, perhaps, a community uh, that will yeah. support them in some way or that they feel that they can belong to. Or, yeah, I, I think about... Um, yeah, just the 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 way that a radical decision looks from the perspective of the person making the decision, mm-hmm. from the perspective of the person saying, "Oh yeah, I think yeah, yeah, you should totally do that," <laughs> and, and from the person saying, "But what about?" Right. Um, yeah, and and it's and it's just kind of all mixed. It's all together. murky water. Yeah, to, or it can't like I don't know. To this person, it's clear water. To this person, it's sludge. Right. <laughs> to the person in the middle of it, it's maybe murky. It's you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. There's a there's a a way of preaching that I've never done, and I, I don't think I'll be pulling off this week, uh, but it's it's writing these first-person sermons as if you're a character in the story. Sure. And wouldn't it be interesting to write a sermon from the perspective of Zebedee, watching yeah. his two sons drop their nets and follow Jesus, um, knowing that a sermon ultimately proclaims the good news and hope of the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Zebedee could express his anger, his frustration, his curiosity, um, 
but then ultimately landing with, but I think my sons have made the right decision and, or maybe, maybe landing on a question I of, think it's, yeah, I think it's both yet to be determined. Yeah. Um, and then maybe Zebedee shows up at the foot of the cross or Zebedee shows up in acts. He doesn't, but, um, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't yeah. it be interesting if, if, if the footnote is, is him encouraging his sons in the book of acts to, build the early church because he's experienced the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And he, he knows that even though he was frustrated that they dropped their nets and followed Jesus at that moment, he's seen the outcome and, and he's, he's good with that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And even just like worried, right? Like fearful. I, maybe for himself, like how am I going to do all this? I was kind of counting on them to do stuff. And for them. Yeah. Cause parents want their best for their children. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know? and and he thinks probably the best for his children is is to build a bigger boat so that when they're out fishing they're safer and can catch more fish. That's that's what he knows and that's what he and they're all of a sudden choosing a totally different path. And the parent, as a parent, he's like, uh, yeah. kids, I, this is not, yeah, yeah. There's a um, a commentary. I can't think of the author of it right now. I'll look it up and share it next week. <laughs> Richard something um, who wrote a series of commentaries, one for each of the gospels. And one of the him one of the things that I remember him writing, which I think applies could apply to this as well, is this sort of sense of um, like we you know, if a child comes to you and says, I I wanna be I, I wanna be like Ron James or I wanna be like uh, I can't think of a you know a popular recording artist X <laughs> or Drake or I want to be like our family doctor or right. whomever whatever whatever uh, you know parents would say yeah that's great like you know go for it that's you know I want to be a veterinarian yeah great let's do it if a child came <clears throat> to you and to a parent said I want to be like Mother Teresa well. How does that how does that work exactly? How will, do you will we be supporting you for the rest of your yeah, life? Yeah. How do you get how does a person get paid uh-huh. doing that? Yep. How do you get medical benefits doing that and right. retirement savings doing that? And I remember the line that he wrote in there is something to the effect of like Mother Teresa spent her days uh, picking up dying people off the street for no pay. And if a child came to you and said I want to spend my days picking di- picking up dying people off the street for no pay. Oh, right. I, and I I imagine Zebedee be, being caught in that space. That's a that's yeah, and that no judgment on that space. No, at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just like, and what I what I really like about that question, that sentiment is the sort of. As I was reading this, I was thinking, oh, this is the first act of the movie where, like, everything is roses. Like, everything's going great for everybody. Jesus is walking around. He's recruiting people just like that. He doesn't really even have to, he doesn't really even say much at all. Follow me. <laughs> yeah. I will make you fish for people. And, oh, oh great. And, you know, James and John, and they, oh, now they've found their calling. And, oh, boy, it's just nothing but good times ahead, right? Like, this is the first act of the movie. And then that 
that changes. Right. Uh, the score changes <laughs> to a minor key, and yeah. all of a sudden, yeah, 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 yeah. There's some sort of, you know, inciting incident or something. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, like, it's you could read that as just like, oh, man, I look just happy all the time. Right. But there is this, like, there is difficulty in the question yeah. and in the response that I think we don't always see or read. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So I, I still am impressed by the courage, the boldness, the risk taking and the self-sacrifice of the, but, but I think a a tip of the hat to the, the support system around like them that allows them to do this is also warranted and maybe part of this, uh, this sermon. I've I've heard a sermon actually preached on um, Rosa Parks, mm-hmm. uh, and she became the face of the 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 bus boycott by sitting by not giving up her seat, yeah, and moving to the back of the bus or or having to stand actually, um, and the sermon was that that had been going on for three years. Mm-hmm. And that there was a whole movement around that. Yeah. And she was part of that movement. She wasn't actually even a leader of that movement. And um, had she not had a system of support around her, she would not have been able to, mm-hmm. you know, do the bus mm-hmm. boycott Montgomery and all that stuff. And and it just applauded her community. Maybe, yeah. maybe I should dig that one up and use that and credit it. The guy who I heard preach it is a he's a he's a musician. Um, and, and, uh, he's not a pastor, but he's a musician named David Lamott. He's out of, uh, um, North Carolina. And anyways, he, he did a whole thing on that. And maybe, maybe I should resurrect that. Go find, find that and talk about that a little bit. It might be interesting. Yeah. At least just to, to find it and, and, you know, and read it and yeah, yeah. <clears throat> take a look at it. So there's also another, there's one other distinct Matthew thing um, in this passage that I feel that we need to pick out. And that is uh, in verse 22, immediately. <laughs> this, is, this is a distinct Matthew characteristic, if I'm, if I'm correct. And that, in verse 20, it's twice. <clears throat> verse 20, immediately they left the nets and yeah. followed them, and then immediately they left the boat with yeah. their father and followed him. Yes. Everything happens immediately. There's an immediacy to the gospel of Matthew. Yeah. Yes, I, I would agree with that. That... Uh, that should just, you know, various uh, biblical scholar instructors that I've had would be sad if I didn't point that out. Yeah. Well, and, and, and then that leads us to our own question of what's, what's the immediacy of living out our own faith? Mm-hmm. Is there an immediate need in front of us that we need to respond to, an immediate way to follow Christ yeah. that we're supposed to do, that we're, we're missing for whatever reason? So. Well, you think it'll preach? I'm. I've got four sermons bubbling now. That's the problem. <laughs> we, we we usually this narrows it down and helps me get the direction. Now I'm like, okay, well, there's this or this or that, and uh, the good news is I'll go to our Tuesday noon Bible study and I'll uh, be able to read the text with uh, them. And one of the things that I love about that is how well that grounds the text here in our local context in Central mm-hmm. Nebraska of people who have lived here, some of them for decades, and they help me think through how this resonates with Nebraskans. And so that's, uh, 
That's a gift of that Bible study for me each week. So you can join us Tuesdays at noon. I gotta make a note to find that guy's name. I'm pretty sure it's Richard something. It's Oxford Press. I know that much. All right. We'll uh, move into what's going on in the life of our church, right? Yeah, that's the next thing on my list. Yeah. So we're uh, we're back into the full swing of uh, what's our normal schedule. And what that means is uh, Sunday morning worship. We've got an 8.30 contemplative service in our chapel that includes communion. Uh, we've got our 9.15 Sunday school hour. And then we have our traditional worship service at 10.30. This particular week uh, at the 9.15 Sunday school hour, we're doing an adult ed forum. It's the last of a three-part series called The Things We Don't Read, uh, which explores texts that aren't often read in uh, worship or preached on because they don't appear in the Revised Common Lectionary. So I, I led the first session of that. Dan Deffenbaugh led the second session. And Reverend Doodle Harris, the chaplain at Hastings College, will be leading the third sec- section this week. Um, and the other two will be on our church's YouTube page this week. The one that I did is already up. The other one I know will be uploaded this week. So if you want to catch up on those, you don't have to watch the first two to get something out of the third one. So we hope you can join us on Sunday at 9.15 for that. Um, We've also got all of our weekly activities going on. Yes, for now we do. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a reference to the weather. Uh, there's a decent chance that we're going to have quite a snowstorm that hits us starting tonight, Tuesday night into Wednesday. So we will be keeping an eye on that, and we'll be uh, communicating you to you through all the means that we have available to mm-hmm. us uh, to make sure you're aware of uh, the weather situation. If but if if things are normal, we'll have our Wednesday night activities uh, for children. Pre-K through uh, fifth grade, that means uh, activities from 5 to 6, and then a family-style meal from 6 to 6.45. We have our chancel choir rehearsal, 6.45 to 7.30, and our chancel bell rehearsal, 7.30 to 8.15 or 8.30. Mm-hmm. Um, and both the chancel choir and chancel bells are playing in worship on Sunday. So we hope they don't miss this rehearsal due to the snowstorm, but if they do, I bet they'll still pull it off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing we should also mention, it's not on the official list here, this past Sunday uh, in the afternoon, well, well, for Sunday service, we were joined by Jens Korndorfer. Korndorfer? You There's know a umlaut how, above You ought o. to know how to pronounce that better than I. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a renowned organist. Is that what it's called? Yes. Organ player? Concert organist. organist. Concert organist. Uh, and, and offered an, an absolutely... Lovely and very enjoyable concert in the afternoon. And I, th- I that's up on the, our Facebook page? It's or not. No, it's not. We're not allowed to. Uh, okay. If you missed the concert and would really like to see it, we do have DVD copies that we can loan out. So you can okay. take it home and watch it and then bring it back. But for legal reasons, we're not allowed to leave it posted on our social media okay. or on our YouTube page. I wondered about that. But we do have DVD copies here in the office. So come pick one up. One of the cool things about this concert is that our volunteer technical people, uh, Eric Nielsen and Ross Struess, set up cameras uh, so we could see Yen's hands and his feet playing the pedals of the organ, as well as his face. <laughs> uh, and you can see some of the passion come across as he's playing some of these pieces. And so uh, if you didn't catch the concert and you're interested, swing by the church office, pick up a DVD copy that we can loan out to you. You can watch it and then return it to the church. And Yeah. And this was the, 
the first, I think, of our 150th anniversary events. Yes, yes. Right. 2023 is the 150th anniversary of the church. So if you feel <clears throat> bad about missing it, you should. <laughs> and also, to avoid feeling bad about missing these things in the future, uh, you should you know be on the lookout for more information. We're, we're getting it together a little... Uh, simple as a little calendar of 150th events that hopefully we'll be able to get out to folks soon. But pay attention to bulletins, newsletters, worship services, uh, weekly emails for that that sort of stuff. Um, we have really quite a few things lined up, a nice diversity, breadth of things, um, meals, some more special music things. Some um, service opportunities. Yes, yep. Uh, mission co-worker visit as well. So All, all that are at the very core of, of who we are and who we strive to be at First Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, music, ministry, and mission, that's what we're about. And so we hope you will be able to join us uh, throughout the year. Uh, many of our events will also be broadcast uh, on our Facebook page and posted to our YouTube channel, so stay tuned for that if you can't be here in person. But, um, yeah, it's exciting. Thank you for uh, that reminder. Yep. These are all part of the things that we are doing um, as we as we are, are honoring and celebrating uh, living a legacy of love for 150 years. So be on the lookout for those sorts of things. So. Is, there, is that it? Is there one more? Is oh, that... the last one is just our annual congregational meeting. We Presbyterians uh, govern ourselves and uh, go to the church and share what's happening and uh, get your buy-in on that. And so that will be on Sunday, January 29th. Immediately following the 1030 service, I will work hard to keep that service short, about 45 minutes, and we'll roll directly into the annual congregational meeting. So we hope you'll be able to join us for that. And that's Sunday, January 29th. I think, I think that's all. I wrote, govern yourself. Govern thyself. <laughs> was that like a revolutionary war motto? If it wasn't, it should have been. <laughs> or like a thing that a, like a parent says to Govern yourself, young man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at any rate, it must be time for a closing prayer. I think it probably is. I continue to imagine increasingly improbable scenarios in my mind. Uh, let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for those who have come before us, who have lived boldly um, in faith, who have chosen to to step out of the boat, I suppose, and to follow you, Um, even though it may have been putting themselves at risk, it may have been putting others at risk, those who chose to follow with courage and grace and tenacity and mercy, your pathways of peace, of justice, of love, and hospitality, and generosity, all of the fruits of the Spirit. Help us, O God, to find ways to follow in that path. Help us to find ways to follow in their example and in the example set by your Son, Jesus the Christ. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.